Pirates know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, joined by my co-host today, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing? I'm doing good, Joe. I'm doing very well. Uh, you know, it feels good to be back on the pod after Scott pinched hit for me. Uh, you know, maybe he's been the lucky charm because if we lose this week, it'll be it'll be because I'm back on it. So I will take all the heat. Hey, I know it's true. We've kind of been going every other week here with the two of you, and it's good to have uh, the deep bench of uh, co-hosting options. And uh, obviously today we're going to dive into the New York Jets commanding 34-21 to win over the Buffalo Bills last Thursday night. We're going to preview their game against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Ooh. Bay Buccaneers, uh, their final game before their bye week. Uh, discuss their chances down the stretch run uh, and what we expect to see both against Tampa and in these final weeks. Before we dive into it, want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to go to primesport.com, front slash turn on the Jets for more information on what they will have going on for upcoming away game packages and at the upcoming home games. They usually have a pregame tailgate outside of the Pepsi gate. Again, that's primesport.com, front slash turn on the Jets. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and Twitter at primesport as well. Support the friends of the pod. Uh, Prime Sport's been with us for a few years now, so again, make sure to check them out. All right, Dalvin, Thursday night football. Jets go in against Buffalo. Uh, about three-point underdogs. Uh, usually these divisional games, you know, find a way to be relatively close. So I think most of us expected a, a competitive game. Uh, but this really wasn't. The Jets basically dominated this game pretty much from start to finish, uh, particularly in the trenches with their defensive line really taking over and them being able to run the football so well on offense. It was kind of a throwback 2009-2010 type win uh, for the Jets where they really controlled the game up front and took advantage of a lot of Buffalo mistakes. They played a very sloppy game. You had the, you know, the Jordan Matthews fumble when he's reaching out for the ball. You have Nick O'Leary thinking the play's over, and then Marcus May just <laughs> rips the ball away from him. Uh, and the Jets took advantage, and they, you know, they really, you know, they ran the ball down Buffalo's throat. McCown didn't do much in the passing game, but hit the one ball down the sideline to Robbie Anderson for his fourth touchdown of the year. And the real story was the defensive line, particularly Muhammad Wilkerson and Leonard Williams, just taking over this game and throwing around Vladimir Dukas and Richie Incognito like rag dolls from start to finish. So Buffalo never really had a chance to get going. Uh, they did. You know, tack on a couple garbage touchdowns late, but this was really, you know, a 20-25 point game, even though the final score showed it only a 34-21. The game leaves the Jets at 4-5, and five, going into a game where they are now favored uh, by one and a half points with James Winston out and Mike Evans potentially out of his appeal. Uh, is not granted. Before we dive into Tampa, what were your thoughts and reactions to the Buffalo win, Dalvin? I mean, it was complete domination, right? I think you, you nailed it. I think the Jets were in control right from the start. And here's the, I think the, and I touched on this in the round table and I will continue to, you know, sing his praises because I think he's done a phenomenal job this year. And that's Todd Bowles, right? And this is now, the Jets have been in every game except for the Oakland game because I know the Jets were in it at halftime and then obviously the talent deficit overwhelmed them. But I really don't think, I don't think at any point did I feel like, man, the Jets really have a chance to steal this. The New England game, I felt like the Jets had a chance to steal it. The Atlanta game, I felt like the Jets had a chance to steal that one too. Um, you know, but, and then that's a testament to Todd Bowles. I think Todd Bowles has had this team ready to play just about every time, 
every chance, every time they've stepped out on the field. And I, the biggest thing that you can say about this season is they have not, it has not been an embarrassment. And now I say that because I, I don't, I don't want people to get caught up in the whole, like, okay, well, you know, it's fool's gold, right? There's nothing good here to build on. Similar to that year where Rex and Gino led the Jets to 8-8, eight and eight, and it was, you know, in part because they were winning those really, really close games. But if you looked a little bit deeper, there wasn't really anything to tell you that they were going to be a good team the following year. The Jets this year, they, they, do, they do a couple of things really well. One, they don't turn the ball over, right? So they're not beating themselves. Josh McCown is not turning the ball over. Bilal Powell, Matt Forte, and Elijah McGuire are not really fumbling. Um, so this is a team that's not beating themselves. On special teams, they are a solid team. Lachlan Edwards has been much better than he was last year. Their punt coverage has been good. They have not allowed, aside from one big return that got called back, I think, for a block in the back, they have not allowed any big returns. Um, so this is a special teams unit that has been well. And then the defense is opportunistic. Now, the difference between an opportunistic defense and a defense that solely relies on turnovers is that the Jets also seem to buckle down when they when they get in the red zone. You saw that again with you saw that again with with Buffalo, where once Buffalo got into the red zone, the Jets were able to buckle down and hold them to field goals. The the biggest thing that Todd Bowles has done is he's been able to keep this team calm and believe like they can get into every game. Buffalo's a team who again. They only lost by nine week one. They could have stolen that game as well. And everybody's been singing Doug McDermott. Uh, Doug McDermott, that's, the, that's your guy. <laughs> they, they've been singing Sean McDermott's praises, um, you know, all season. I, I, you know, as, as this was a team that was supposed to be tanking, and they don't have much on offense, and it's running the ball and playing defense. But this is a team in Buffalo that has a lot of limitations. Their biggest weapon is Tyrod Taylor. And I know a lot of people love Shady McCoy, and I do as well. But their biggest weapon is Tyrod Taylor because he's so he's he's a very good quarterback that, again, does not beat himself. But you've given him no weapons to work with in Buffalo. And then you have a Jets team that, again, was getting after him. You saw Mo Wilkerson getting after him. You saw Leo Williams getting after him. You saw Jamal Adams getting in, getting in there. You saw Coney Ealy getting in there. You saw Darren Lee getting in there. And all of that, to me, is, is Todd Bowles directly because he's playing Darren Lee off the edge more. He, they brought in Coney Ealy, who, had, who the Patriots traded a second-round pick for, and then they cut. So they, they, they bring him in, and he gives an edge presence this team doesn't really have. With him and Lee off the edge, you're much better than you were you know a year ago but they i mean they beat the brakes off of buffalo the game wasn't as close as you really thought as, as the final score indicated and i think that's how you're gonna that's how they're going to beat teams right it's that and also it's it's a together team man like i mean we've seen the jets dance to anything hashtag take off but realistically like that's that's an infectious energy and it starts with jamal adams and marcus may they are the two leaders on this team they are the alpha and the omega on this team and this team will go and it's crazy to say it but this team, similar to the Seattle Seahawks, when Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor are on, the Seahawks' defense is very different than when they're not. It's the same thing with the Jets. When Adams and May are on, that defense, is, that defense plays lights out. Yeah, and I think you hit on a few key things. Outside of the first two games of the year, uh, the Jets have either won or lost every single game by one possession and really been right in every single game. You know, you could definitely mm -hmm. make a case that you know, those three losses to New England, Miami, and Atlanta, they should have won at least one or two of those games, particularly, you know, against Miami when you're up 14 in the fourth quarter against their number two quarterback. Mm -hmm. And all of those games, they were playing in front, and they had a lead in And what's inter been interesting about this team is, again, outside of the first two weeks in the Jacksonville game, they've played from ahead every single week. They've scored the first points, uh, and they've played ahead, sometimes even way ahead in every single game. Now, obviously, they haven't won all of them, but they're starting fast, 
They're competitive every week. They're showing up every single week. Now, their talent limitations at, at key positions comes back to haunt them in close games, and it will be a problem down the stretch when they play some better teams, uh, particularly better teams on the road, you know, more specifically, you know, guys like New Orleans and guys like New teams like New Orleans, teams like New England. Those will be challenging matchups. But, you know, for now, they're steady on special teams. They're not making mistakes that are killing themselves. Lachlan Edwards has been very good in helping them win field possession throughout a lot of these games. They are protecting mm-hmm. the ball, and they're forcing turnovers. They have more interceptions already this year than they did of all of last season. Uh, they're forcing more fumbles, and that plays into guys like Adams, May, uh, and the linebacking group, which has played much better. Demario Davis and Darren Lee started this season very slow and were being taken advantage of by offenses early in the year, but both of them are playing very good football right now. This is definitely the best we've ever seen Davis play, and Lee is starting to look the part of a first-round pick. And when you have Lee... Jenkins, Adams, May, all these guys playing Mm -hmm. well together at the same time. This is what the Jets have been trying to build on defense. And if you're going to play high energy defense like that, you can be competitive every single week. And if their defense is going to play like that, there's no reason the Jets can't compete despite the schedule getting substantially harder after the bye week when they do get when they do get through this Tampa Bay game. So before we dive in and break down this matchup against Fitzmagic in Tampa, also want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Make sure to check them out for any action, NFL, college football, basketball this weekend. If you use promo code TOJ, you get up to a 100% cash bonus deposit back uh, for the first time you put some money into the site. Again, that's mybookie.ag. You could also give them a follow on social at betmybookie. Again, promo code TOJ, mybookie.ag. You play, you bet, you win. All right, Jets Bucks. Uh, preseason, this was a game that looked like a tough one. Tampa was considered a playoff contender by most. They were sort of darlings over the summer because of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. I've, everything has basically went to shit for the Bucks At this point, they are 2-6. Yeah. Uh, they're on a six-game losing streak, I believe. Uh, Jameis Winston is hurt. Uh, they were blown out by the Saints last week. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will now be the starting quarterback, who we, of course, know intimately well. Mike Evans is likely (laughs) suspended for this game, although he is currently filing appeals, so there is a chance he may play. And this team has just really struggled in every aspect of the game. They look like a team who's basically quit on their coaching staff because there's far too much talent on this roster to be losing games the way that they've been losing them, meaning that the Jets are now a favorite in this game and is now being treated like a game that the Jets should win. And really, outside of Cleveland, uh, I can't think of any other game this year where it was like, yeah, the Jets definitely should win this game. And I think I agree with that sentiment. The Jets absolutely should win this game. They're the better team right now. Uh, They're coming in with more momentum after last week. But I would also caution in thinking that any game is an automatic cakewalk for the Jets. I think as constructed and as they're being coached, the Jets can compete every single week, but they could also lose every single week. So they need to be careful here and not take any team lightly or take anything for granted. And as much as we all dislike Fitzpatrick after last year, he can randomly get hot and make some plays. And the Bucks, even if Mike Evans don't, doesn't play, still have O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, Deshaun Jackson, Doug Martin, and some talented pieces on defense. And the Jets are only 1-3 and three on the road this year. And the only game they've won on the road was against Cleveland, and they only won that game by three points. Right. I don't think anyone would say it was you know their finest moment this year. So what, what do you like and what concerns right. you about this matchup against Tampa? I mean, I like that it's against Fitzpatrick. 
you know, I, I think I was even in his record breaking year here. I, I think one of the things and, and Connor and I kind of kept saying it multiple times was like, he's still the guy that he always was. I mean, he's just Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker made him look a lot better than he really was. Right. And so with no Mike Evans, I like the matchup even more because that's the kind of matchup that Fitzpatrick will then try. I mean, he's going to try to force the ball anyway. Um, but again, now that instead of forcing it to Mike Evans is one of the better receivers in this league. He's trying to force it to Deshaun Humphreys and Cameron Bray, um, you know, because they don't use O.J. Howard at all. Um, so, I mean, this Tampa Bay is a weird team because Tampa, like you said, was picked by a lot of people for them to go to the playoffs. And, I mean, Jameis Winston, he gets hurt after, you know, given by far the weirdest pregame speech I've ever heard. I, I thought he was on something. Um, and then, obviously, he gives way to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so, Fitzpatrick is still a turnover over machine i think this is a game that the jets could get up big on early because tampa's defense has also not been that great um tampa's defense is a is a defense again a lot of talent of high talent right so you have gerald mccoy you have uh, vernon hargreaves you 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 have lorenzo david in the middle and it it's tough to see a team with that much physical talent on defense just get gashed like they did last last week by Alvin Kamara, by Mar- by Mark Ingram, by Michael Thomas, by Drew Brees. And this is Drew Brees was also 41 and not a, you know 40, sorry, and not as good as he used to be. As you can see, he doesn't have the arm strength that he used to. Um, so I think for me, I like the matchup because Fitzpatrick's still in there. I mean, if 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 Dirk is smart, if their head coach is smart, he'll lead on Doug Martin in the running game. But I don't think he's going to do that. And you're you're right. Fitzpatrick does have a, a tendency to get streaky. However, we have seen that other side of the streakiness where he throws like, like six picks like he did again. And this where the, the turnovers come in bunches for the Jets. I think the, the biggest thing is that this is the team, and we talked about this a little bit. Um, we didn't see a New England hangover, right? Which I think we can both agree on. Like after, you know, reading their press clippings for a week, so to speak, you know, because they, they, they had played well. Like this is a team that still came out with their foot on the gas. And the Jets have been good about coming out right from the very first drive and punching you in the mouth. So I think I, I, and that's a testament again, to Bowles and Adams and May and even Josh McCown to an extent. I think this is a team that they're going to be able to take advantage of a lot of these matchups against, against Tampa Bay, but you do worry with Fitzpatrick getting hot, but being entirely honest, I don't think I've been other than the Cleveland game and the Jacksonville game, because Blake Bortles is just some hot trash too. I don't think I've been more confident going into a game this year than this game against Tampa Bay, because I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is that bad. And I feel like it's time that we paid him back for, for ruining the 2016 season. And this is the, this is the game to do it. Yeah, I mean, the Jets need to find a way to take advantage of, of getting a team's backup quarterback. And you know Fitzpatrick yep. is going to throw balls up for grabs, and the Jets' you defense has to convert on, convert on those, right? You can't drop the interceptions. You know he's going to be loose with the ball in the pocket. This should be a game they should be able to force a couple turnovers. And if they could do that, they're not going to need to do a ton on offense to win this game. You know, protect the football, take a couple shots down the field to guys like Robbie Anderson. We're obviously going to see more of our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen now with Jeremy Curley's suspension implemented. And, you know, for nine games, the Jets got 210 yards of receiving out of Curley. They're going to be able to be fine. And long term, it will be better for them that Stewart and Hansen are, are getting these reps. So this is a game that, look, it plays well into the Jets' hands. And they have a real chance of being 5-5 five and five at the bye week, which... Uh, is exciting, and I think better than anybody thought they would be at this point in the season. I picked them to be four and six in, at the bye, and five and eleven overall. Obviously, if you're five and five at the bye, you would hope you could finish better than five and eleven. But I think you know, even in thinking that that would be their record trajectory, they've been more competitive uh, in some of their losses than I expected. They hung closer 
uh, to a New England and an Atlanta than I thought they would, and they and they really you know should have beat Miami that second time. Obviously, that was a you know a painful come from behind loss, but this team has been in every single game and been very competitive every single week. Now the AFC is really a mess this year, particularly it's with Deshaun <laughs> Watson's uh, injury. That you know the quarterback play throughout the conference has, has really been poor. The Jets are currently 10th in the conference right now. They're behind, They're actually still mm-hmm. technically in last place in their division as they remain behind Buffalo, who is 5-3, and three, and Miami, who's 4-4. Four and four. Uh, They also are behind Oakland, thanks to that Week 2 loss. Worth remembering that. So this is the Jets' schedule after the bye week. Let's say they handle business and they beat Tampa. They go into their bye mm-hmm. at 5-5. Five and five. Everybody's riding high, uh, talking about a potential wild card run, I would think is more realistic <laughs> right. with where you know, New England season is probably headed. Uh, after the bye, they have Carolina and Kansas City at home, two teams who are currently 6-3 and three, and overall playing pretty good football this year. Uh, then they have Denver and New Orleans on the road. Denver has obviously been a bit of a train wreck. Uh, still a mm-hmm. challenging place to play and fly over there and play against that defense. The Saints have been very good. They've been the hottest team in the NFL, really, outside of the Eagles. That's always a tough place to play. And then the Jets wrap with the Chargers at home and then in New England, a game that New England will likely have something to play for uh, if the Chiefs and Steelers hang around them in the in the standings, which seems pretty likely. Uh, so not an easy final six games. I, you know, I would say, you take a quick glance at them, you would say, look, I think they have a really good shot against Denver and San Diego, two teams who have been pretty inconsistent. They're going to be fairly substantial underdogs in those other four games. What do you think is, what do you think the Jets' final record is going to be as of today? So I, I I will I'll differ from you in a little bit, and I think that Carolina, for me, I think Carolina isn't as bad at a matchup as as a lot of people think, just because Cam Newton has been so topsy turvy. The biggest I think difference on that team, obviously, no more Kelvin Benjamin. Funches is an easier matchup. No Greg Olson. Christian McCaffrey is the is the biggest threat, and the Jets have still. I mean, Demario Davis and Darrell Lee have been better, and you again maybe a hit from Jamal Adams will get him from 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 running from not running those wheel routes. Um, but I think Carolina and I think Denver are are easier matchups than we think, even though, again, going to Denver to play that defense. But the offense is just all sorts of terrible, although I think by that point we should see Paxton Lynch. Um, so you have those two games. I think Kansas City and New Orleans are tough as hell. Kansas City, even though, again, you know they lost to Dallas, I think Dallas is a better team than a lot of people give, give them credit for. Kansas City's still in first place in the division. They have a quarterback that does not turn the ball over. Kareem Hunt does have – Kareem Hunt seems to have hit a wall, though. And so I think that – Maybe where the Jets can like maybe they steal one, but again, Kansas City and New Orleans are the tougher matchups. You have San Diego, I think that's an easier matchup as well. And then New England, obviously, who you're right, they they probably will have something to play for because Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh's right now the top seed in the AFC. Um, then you have Kansas City creeping on them, um, and then whoever the hell comes out of the South, which I thought would have been Houston, even though Houston was three and four when Watson got hurt. I thought I thought Watson was going to be able to lead them back to take that division, but that division so god awful. Who knows who the hell's gonna who's who's gonna win that. Um, so when the season first started, I think I had said like seven and nine, I won't move off of that. Um, I think the Jets do have two more wins in them. Now, again, the, the, and Jared touched on this in his article, that seven and nine isn't really helpful, right? In the sense, because now you are in the middle of nowhere um, draft wise, and you're kind of in the middle of the pack. But I do think that they can steal one against Carolina and they can steal the the, the game against Denver. If not Denver, definitely the Chargers. Um, so you're looking at seven and nine. Um, 
where it becomes tricky is if the Jets find a way to beat New Orleans, um, and then then they're going in, then say they're going into the last week of the season eight and seven, playing New England with a chance to maybe clinch the sixth seed in the playoffs. Which I mean, it's crazy because I don't I don't know if anybody thought we'd be having this conversation with with potentially six games left. But this is kind of where we are, and the Jets have played themselves into the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think with how this matchup against Tampa just came together and where, how these final six games look, you know, if you had to ask me today, I do think it's more likely they will win more games than being five and 11. They really should. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to finish the season uh, one and six when you're four and five, obviously you would hope to be, you could be able to finish better than that. And it, it feels like this team could get to a seven and nine uh, as long as they don't, you know, trip over themselves this weekend that type of record should be in contention if they're really going to actually compete for a wild card spot they're going to have to pull off a couple upsets right they're going to have to beat a, a Kansas City Carolina New Orleans mm-hmm. uh, you know just beating Tampa Bay Denver and San Diego isn't going to be enough seven and nine isn't going to get you in I don't think eight and eight's going to get you in nine and seven I think might but don't forget you also need help uh, in tiebreakers and with some of the matchups and unfortunately the Jets are currently already uh, two and three in the AFC East, likely to be two and four with their only game left being in New England. And they do have conference losses, uh, a conference loss to Oakland, who's a team who will be in the wild card mix. Uh, And then they'll have uh, a couple more AFC games left against uh, Kansas City and San Diego. So take it one game at a time, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Beat a team that you're supposed to beat in Tampa Bay. Uh, don't don't trip over yourself against Fitzpatrick. No Jet fan wants to see the team lose to Fitzpatrick, and uh, you know find a way to get to 500, and then you can you know, reassess at the bye week. So, any final words, Dalvin, before we wrap up? Um, just just keep enjoying the season. I mean, the thing is that realistically, after this after this thrashing of Fitzpatrick, which I mean we all enjoy, I feel I feel I wonder how the like Fitz Magic fans feel. Like you know, you guys all went out and bought his jersey, and now you have to root against him. That must be hard. It must be like rooting against your father or something. Um, but I, I mean, I think enjoy the game, uh, enjoy the rest of the season. We only have six games after this, um, and then before you know it, it'll be the off season, and then we can go back to debating whether the Jets should throw five years, one hundred. And 35 million at Kirk Cousins or trade two first round picks for Andrew Luck. Um, but it's been a really fun season. The, the the fact that this team looks like they're having fun and coming together has made the season that much more enjoyable. So let's just enjoy it and hold on for a what's going to be a bumpy, bumpy ride. All right. Want to remind you guys to follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Uh, make sure to subscribe, review, and rate to turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes. Also do the same for the Play Like a Jet podcast. We'll have part three of Scott's interview with JoJo Townsell on this Friday. So make sure to check that out. Subscribe, rate, review, Play Like a Jet on iTunes. You could also find episodes on our website at turnonthejets.com. Check out our gear at theloyalist.com slash turnonthejets. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk uh, what happened in Jets Bucks and do some bi-week discussion uh, before the final six games of the Jets stretch run. Thank you for listening, everybody.